If you are of a certain age, you might recall the Saturday Night Live skit, Daily Affirmations with Stuart Smalley, in which the self-proclaimed caring nurturer, member of several 12-step programs, but not a licensed therapist, led people through the mantra, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it people like me. While Al Franken's character never failed to draw laughs, my guest today has experience with positive psychology that is actually changing the lives of the students in the school community of Costello Elementary in Troy, Michigan. We asked Zach Rondo to throw some of that positivity our way in light of the global pandemic in which we find ourselves. And in the midst of remaining connected with students online, he agreed to join us. Welcome to Fund for Teachers, the podcast. I'm Carrie Caton, and the goal of each episode is to elevate teachers as the inspiring architects of their careers, classrooms, and school communities. Today, we visit with Zach Rondo, fourth grade teacher and author of the Positive Educator newsletter and the ebook, 10 Keys to Positive Living. Last summer, Zach used his Fund for Teachers grant to attend the Sixth World Summit on Positive Psychology in Melbourne, Australia. He holds a master's degree in educational technology from Central Michigan University and enjoys using technology to create learning experiences that otherwise would not be possible, such as the Fourth Grade Innovators Podcast, hosted by his students and heard in 25 countries on five continents. Zach's vision is that school will be a place that prepares students for life by teaching them the mindsets, skills, and dispositions that will set them up for success. He's been recognized as Teacher of the Year for both his district and county. We, however, are most proud to call him a Fund for Teachers Fellow. Zach, welcome to Fund for Teachers, the podcast. I'm enjoying asking teachers how they came up with their fellowship because teachers are very rarely asked what they think they should do or what they want to do with their curriculum or with their instruction. So when you came to this Fund for Teachers opportunity, how did you decide that you wanted to go to Australia to the Positive Psychology Conference? Well, first of all, one of my biggest passions as a teacher has always been to think of a lot of times I say the whole child or teaching more than just content, but using the content to teach those skills that really will help kids be successful many years down the road after they leave high school. So kind of like this idea of teaching to mindsets. And I've been using a lot of stuff with growth mindsets has always been on the forefront of my mind. And until I started researching for this grant, I didn't even know the term positive education existed. And I applied to funds for teachers two years prior as well for very similar programs. But I like to think that all things work out. And I was waiting to find this one that works. So I found out by researching that Australia is kind of leading the world in this positive education. And that's really the intersection between education and school and then positive psychology. And how do you use the positive psychology to work that into the school so we're teaching the kids well-being? And to me, that's like my zone of where my passion lies is right in that intersection as well. What were you seeing in your students, Zach, that prompted you to think this would be a good use of the funds and of your time? I think just in general, I remember my first time, not even before I was student teaching, but when I was doing my first like placement in college, I had to do an assignment working with one girl in particular, and it was about, it was with math. And I just remember how negative her mindset was about math. She just kept saying, I can't do this. I'll never understand it. I'll never learn it. And to me, I didn't even start talking to her about math. First, I talked to her about her mindset. And that was like my first experience in education. And I think just as I've gone on and 
did my student teaching and started teaching, I kept seeing that more and more. And then if you read up on all of the statistics that are pretty gloom about the anxiety rates in teenagers and one in three kids having like anxiety disorders and all this, that's what kind of made me realize how, how important this is. And I wanted to learn more about it and go to the center of where they're doing all this work. Which you did. And tell me takeaways. Oh, there's so many, so many experiences. So I, again, I went to the World Congress on Positive Psychology, which was also interesting because it wasn't necessarily an education conference. It was a psychology conference. And there was a lot of takeaway for educators, a lot of educators there presenting, but there was also a lot of non-educators. And I found it really important and think that we need to kind of look outside of education sometimes, broaden our scope to look at that. So I had so many takeaways. The biggest one that kept coming up over and over, I expected to go there and learn about how to help my students. And the biggest one was that teachers have to come first. And it's nearly impossible to teach a kid and influence a kid to have a positive mindset when we're stuck in a negative mindset. And when we're trapped in anxiety and with how much are being asked of teachers all the time and all the new things added to our plate and all the things we get doing, we find that teachers are burned out, but then trying to inspire their kids to not be anxious and not feel stressed out. So the biggest thing I heard was it starts with teachers. And to me, that just gave me permission to like back off a little bit and take time for myself and do things. So that was one huge takeaway. Another one that again came up in like every session for kids was about character strengths. And this again was something I didn't really know, but it's teaching kids to learn what strengths they have, what they're good at, and how can they use what they're good at to help make the world a better place and help make their learning better. Because so often, I feel like in education, we find out what a kid's not very good at, and then we try to fix that, or we try to make it better and better, where we really need to also focus on what they are really good at and how can we use that in our classrooms. So one thing I took from my fellowship and used in my classroom is I you know, when you leave anything and you're all excited, you want to do all of these things. Well, one thing we, we did right away, I talked to my other two fourth grade teachers at my school. And the first week of school, we called it character strengths week. We learned about all the character strengths. And from there, the kids had to pick their top three based on what they felt. And we grouped the kids with similar top strengths. And they made like a collage out of magazine pictures and did all these activities to really promote that. And I've been trying to keep it up. You know, when we read a book, we talk about what character strength did that book character show in that moment? And how can we learn from them? Have you seen a marked difference in how the students this year are evolving as opposed to last year without that self-knowledge? I think so. I think it's I think just here when they can verbalize like that character strength is resilience and can talk about those. I think if they're recognizing it, then they can recognize it in themselves as well. So yeah, I do think it's made a difference. What are some things that they said about teachers not drawing from an empty well? Like how are, how are ways that they said teachers could invest in themselves more in order to be more impactful with their students? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I took away is it's kind of personal thing. Like it's kind of depends what you like to do. For me personally, what I'd grown up playing ice hockey my whole life. So I still play ice hockey on Tuesday nights. And a couple of years ago, I stopped playing because the games are too late. But knowing that that's something that I do where I when I'm playing, no chance I'm thinking about school for that hour or two hours of the week. I've talked to many teachers who enjoy yoga and do yoga before or after school or mindfulness is a huge one. Um, I have been using the Calm app and practicing mindfulness a little bit more as well. What were you seeing in your students as this whole coronavirus proliferated? How did your students start processing this? I think it's what's really interesting is you really can tell what issues are coming up the moment students start talking about it at school. That's when you know something is really like happening because before this, 
you know, the adults were talking about it and we were thinking about it. And then all of a sudden one day the kids came to school and that was all anyone was talking about. Their first instinct on things like this is to kind of like joke about it. And we had a talk and just talked about, you know, the facts, what it is. And then all of a sudden it went zero to a hundred. And all of a sudden it was me greeting them for the morning meeting. And then I had to go to a meeting and say, I hope I see you on Monday. And I haven't seen them in person since then. So I think it's caused everyone a lot of stress, anxiety, adults. And when you think of all that we have faced and thought about, but then think about being 10 years old and how it's affecting them. The one thing I just told them before I left is that you're going to remember this for the rest of your life. And this is history right now that we're living through and we're all going to have to get through it together. I have always felt because my, my children have had such wonderful experiences and relationships with their teachers. And you see our kids, our teachers do more than we do often during the day. And so that relationship is so important. And I've called teachers the first responders for our kids because you are the ones who answer the immediate questions. What is this? What's happening? How is this going to affect me? Will I see you tomorrow? That type of thing. So with your experience, both with your fellowship and then in the classroom, what are some things that we can say to students in this time of uncertainty when we feel so uncertain also? Right. And I, I think part of it is, you know, depending on the age of kids, but just, just being open that we don't really know what's going on, but we're all here together. We're all going to get through this together and work through it day by day. And then I personally would say to probably not let kids watch as much news. Like I know me, I, before all of this, I typically don't like, I watch a little bit of the news, but too much of it just like puts me into anxiety. And again, imagine being 10 years old and watching all of these newscasts and numbers coming at you. So I think part of it is making sure they're aware, but also still letting them be kids at the same time. For teachers who are listening and, and did not get to go to Australia to learn about the value of positive psychology, can you give us a primer on how they could impart positive psychology, not even just during this time, but in their classroom as well? Yeah, I start every single day with a morning meeting. And in my morning meeting, I have the generic message, good morning, how's it going? And then we set an intention for the day, which I go on Go Noodle. And I look at the think about it category and there's all these one minute videos about being kind or helping the world or helping others. So then we talk about our intention and then we set our positive vision. So it's 30 seconds. They just sit quietly and think about how they want their day to go. They think about themselves, themselves having fun at recess, having fun at special, working hard during the school day. So that kind of sets the positive intention. And then we go into, I do a fun fact every day. And then we do, my two favorite parts are a wise words quote. And I've noticed over the last seven years of teaching, like the profound discussion that can come up over a quote between kids. And at the start of the year, it's always just a few hands raised, a few questions. But as we do it every day, they start making connections between different quotes that have the same theme. And like, I can see it when we're working on writing and they're talking about a lesson and a story and they say, this reminds me of the quote. And they quote something from morning meeting. And then after that, again, as I talked about, the news kind of stressing me out. What I do in the morning is I call it positive power. And I show a positive or uplifting or motivational video to kind of do the exact opposite because we can't always control what goes on at home before we get to school. But once we get to school, if we have the same positive uplifting start every day, I know gets us started. So I pick videos like Kid President or The Kindness Boomerang. There's a lot of good growth mindset videos. And I don't have a new one for every day. That's way too many videos. I, I replay a lot of them throughout the year. And as the year goes on and they re-see them, they kind of see them with new eyes and a more mature self and kind of get new meaning out of it each time we watch it. So I think that's totally okay too. 
Zach uses a variety of tools to infuse his classroom with positivity, such as kid president videos and kindness boomerang. To remain connected with students during the pandemic, he recommends utilizing the online platforms Flipgrid and Seesaw. Zach suggests bookmarking the websites of the International Positive Education Network, which is ipen-network.com, the International Positive Psychology Association, which is ippanetwork.org, and positivepsychology.com. He also highly recommends the Character.org National Forum, the biggest character development event in the world. This year's forum will be held in Washington, D.C. on October 1st and 2nd. We're learning from 2019 Fund for Teachers fellow, Zach Rondo, who used his Fund for Teachers grant to attend the 6th World Summit on Positive Psychology in Melbourne, Australia. There he learned the principles of positive education that he's now utilizing with his 4th grade classroom in Troy, Michigan. We're talking with him today about strategies and resources for helping all of us remain positive in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. How have you been able to take what you learn, not just from your learning in Australia and your grant, but with your seven years of experience and to hone that and to move it beyond a classroom into the school community, into your teaching community? Yeah, um, a few different ways. One thing, I love going to different conferences and presenting to teachers. And I always say my first passion is inspiring kids, but a close second is also inspiring teachers. And just talking to teachers about different strategies and not, not to say everything I know is the right way or anything like that, but just to share different outlooks and a diff- different ways to see things. So I do a lot of presenting at conferences, which is my favorite way to connect. Uh, two years ago, I started a blog, which is just my name, ZachRondo.com, and to share different ideas on that. One thing Australia really prompted me to do is when they were talking about how it starts with teachers, as I started what I call the Positive Educator Newsletter, and I sent an email out um, to my newsletter list and just posted on my blog of different tips and strategies for teachers and different positive messages I kind of took from Australia kind of taken two months off of that, but I'm ready ready to get back into it. And I think right now it's probably more important than ever. I just think we're, we have over, it seems every year we're getting new curriculum and I completely agree that it's a lot better curriculum, but it's also new. And on top of that, it's like state testing going from paper to pencil to online testing and new standards here. And I just feel like our plates have been getting so full that teachers do not give themselves permission to take one thing off the plate. They try to balance everything and we're getting so much new stuff that sometimes something has to go and something has to give. And so I've kind of been talking about this is school and this is my home life and very hard to keep those separate, but it's important also for our own, our own mental health. Teachers are always undervalued, maybe less so now that kids are at home <laughs> and y'all aren't there to to be on the front lines. Anything you would say to parents who now find themselves in the homeschooling business or dealing with kids who are bored or afraid or anxious? Yeah, I would just say to to be be patient and, you know, as us teachers are trying these new things, like I've sent out multiple things and gotten responses like the link doesn't work. This isn't working right now and it's just like it's a complete work in progress. So just to be patient and to work with it and to try, um, just to just to try your best. And like I, I told parents that 
if you don't understand exactly how to teach something, as long as a kid, the kids are reading, if they're writing and they're thinking about math in any way, that is so much better than if they're doing nothing. So if nothing else, just reading books and especially to, for parents to read out loud. And I read out loud to students every single day during the school year. Yesterday, I recorded a video of myself reading out loud to send to kids. And I think even older kids benefit from being read to out loud and talking about books. It doesn't have to be a perfect mini lesson that you're teaching, but if you're reading and talking about books and engaging in those conversations, that that is going to help a kid so much, no matter what. Are there any books in your curriculum, kind of a young adult or children's books that come to mind? Yeah, um, my favorite, there's a couple picture books, one I have sitting right next to me right now, but it's um, The Energy Bus by John Gordon. And there's, which is, there's the energy bus for kids, which is a picture book. There's an energy bus that's like an adult book that is also like my favorite book ever, but the energy bus for kids is great. There's another one called Making a Splash. And it's about these two siblings who go swimming and it's all about growth mindset. And it has this little brain on the corner of the pages that teach about growth mindset and the science behind it. Um, There's another one, another John Gordon book called The Hard Hat is really good. And then there's another one about my fantastic elastic brain about the neuroscience of a growth mindset that have all I've used in my class. And they're all really helpful. Is there anything, Zach, that I have not asked you either about your fellowship or about teaching or the growth mindset or where we find ourselves with this coronavirus that I haven't asked you about that you feel like is important or that you would like to share? There is one other thing I want to share. And part of this is like with my morning meetings, it was me teaching about wise words quotes in these conversations. And I wanted to make a way to put the students in charge and let them be the teachers of this information. So I started a podcast with my students and it's called the fourth grade innovators podcast. And it's been the most fun project that I've ever done. We're on year two now. And it's, I think we're up to nine or 10 episodes about like growth mindset and mindfulness. And I do a little talking on it, but it's the kids taking charge and they own it. And This project has kind of taken off a lot more than I've expected. We have, I think, 2,300 downloads across 25 different countries. So um, if anyone wants to check out the 4th Grade Innovators podcast, it's on all podcast platforms. This has been really helpful. And I think incredibly timely. Oh, well, thank you so much. And I I appreciate this. This is great. Everything you guys do at Funds for Teachers is like so amazing. Like I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. We look forward to using this podcast to elevate more teachers as the inspiring architects of their careers, classrooms, and school communities. But you can learn from our 8,500 FFT fellows now by visiting fundforteachers.org slash blog, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you to Fund for Teachers fellow Zach Rondo for joining us today. To learn more about his work, sign up for his teaching newsletter or to listen to the fourth grade innovators podcast visit zachrondo.com z-a-c-h-r-o-n-d-o-t.com zach is also active on twitter at mr rondo or on instagram at zach rondo i'm carrie caton thank you for joining us today at fund for teachers the podcast until next time keep learning